Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching line, mighty army, Wrexham is the name. Christ on all, you're listening to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by the Fat Ball. Well then, after a bit of a whinge last week, I think we're all feeling a bit better. Andy, you were there. How would you describe that 3-0 away victory? Uh, we took our chances. I don't really think we dominated the game in the early parts, uh, but as soon as Mullin scored... Um, it seemed to click in to click together a bit a bit better. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say Brisley was fantastic, and I think having him in the team really anchors us. Um, he won everything at the back, uh, but also he makes Toza's long throws more effective because now Toza has two people to aim for when he's lobbing them in. Before you had your, the best guy in the air taking the taking the, the throw in, but now you've got Brisley, now you've got Hayden. It gives people more. More, more to worry about. So you know, I think the the Hayden goal was a direct result of that. Um, Mullin, what a player! What a player! Absolutely brilliant. No wonder they were their team were gobsmacked by him. Just just the runs he makes, the way he manages to position his body and angle out some pest, isn't lobbing. he? Yeah, he was, he was. My mate calls him a rat. He says he's a little rat. And like he, he just robbed their centre half at will, and was just setting up attacks. And Angus was a bit off it. He needs, he needs, you know. I think he needs a goal. Yeah, but, he does, doesn't he? He's he's lacking yeah. confidence a bit, doesn't he? I think. I mean, there was one where he came where he was bearing down on goal, and his second touch was poor. It was right in front of him. The keeper managed to to save it. And if he'd have just slightly striked it to one side, he would have uh, he would have he would have netted that. But overall, the form, new formation, as we predicted last week, is working. Um, we seem more solid. Uh, French had another good game. Um, all around, I think we're in a better place than we were a couple of weeks ago. Well, that was comprehensive. Sounds good. And you were the only one of us four who made it uh, on uh, Saturday. So uh, we appreciate your input, but seems to be as well. Another positive sign, Tim, goals come in from all over the park, you know, with Hayden and Brisley getting involved. Yeah, it was only going to be a matter of time because the the size of them, you know, we said the other day that Hayden is starting to get looking good in the air again, looking very composed and assured. So, yeah, I think it was a matter of time before the, the long throw was paying off. Brisley's no, no shrinking violet either, is he? He's a big, big lad. And yeah, like Andy said, we look more solid all round. However, without being a, the sort of the mood hoover of the, <laughs> of the pod, we've beaten Marine at the second time of asking, which we were expected to do so. And we've beaten a very, very, very poor Barnet side. So let's not get too carried away. Um, the good thing is, is obviously we, I think we scored again, and we haven't conceded any. I think I think I read somewhere that it's the first time we've scored in consecutive games since the start of the season for God knows long time, long time. So we're scoring them. We're starting to shore up at the back. Has the midfield conundrum been solved for the time being? It would see, but we'll see. We'll see what happens over the next few games. I think it's uh, the way I, I, I try and approach life and football is it don't get too excited when you win, don't get too devastated when you lose. I'm sure that's the it's in the great football in philosopher Dean Keats come up with that one. I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, what anyway. do you do if you draw? If you draw, uh, don't know. I have to think about that. He probably said he probably said look before it though. <laughs> Uh, anyway, last week's episode. Thank you very much for the feedback, uh, Liam. What was that feedback like? I'd say slightly mixed, but quite a lot of positives, though. Actually, uh, a lot of people saw it for what it was, which was it was a moment in time where four Wrexham fans were thoroughly pissed off. I think it's uh, fair to say, and we Trials. had our we had our say in as constructive a manner as was possible with all the raw emotion, especially for Tim. Um, so yeah, I'll, I won't go into all the feedback. We had the, I'd say the best uh, response we had was FID is a good balance between professional assessment and fan assessment with all the attached emotion one would expect from fans. Stop there. That's good. That's great. Put that somewhere. Is that, is that from your mum, Liam? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. That, that was from Prodigal Dragon, I think it was, on, on Red Legend. Passion. That's the liner notes sorted anyway. Um, and then I'll just go for one from the flip side. Uh, Haruki was not particularly happy. Um, he said, having enjoyed the player interview style podcast, I listened to this, but it was incredibly poor and showed a lack of judgment if they think the club can go through the on and off field changes that we have had in the last few months and immediately deliver results and performances. In fact, they gave away that this was just a grudge because the club haven't given them any interviews. Oh, (laughs) good horror film, the grudge. My, my, my attitude to this and all the, anything that I moaned about last week or we moaned about is it's like when you're at a restaurant for me, I, I never complain. I'm too, I'm too much of a wet blanket, but as long as there's communication, it's not a problem. If they come to you and say, look, we're having trouble with tickets. I'm really sorry. We're having trouble with this. You can forgive that. We're all fans of the club. We're not going to kick up a fuss. But it's, I think that was the point we were making was perhaps a lack of communication can lead to problems. And anyway, I'm going to say, if you want balance, you had Tim, who was absolutely seething. You got me, he was probably a bit of a happy clappy. And you got Andy and Liam in the middle. What's more balanced than that? Exactly. The perfect shit sandwich. <laughs> exactly. We had a message in. Not sure if the person wanted us to name him, so we won't for now. Uh, well, we, we, I, I can we can put it in, and then I'll ask him if he's got any issues. You can edit it out, but it's Paul Williams. Paul Williams, good lad. Right, Paul Williams. Hi guys, listen to the podcast today, which as always is interesting and engaging. I just wanted to share that I ordered an away shirt from a mate who is a Cambridge supporter. The shirt I ordered, of course, had Mullin on the back. I was informed via email that my order had been received and then another to say that they would send out the shirt and finally an email confirming my order had been dispatched. I received it two weeks later. I live in Hong Kong. My experience was positive. Thank you, Paul, for your feedback. And I also should add, as I did say that I was worried about it last week, I ordered, I bought my Torquay tickets with uh, zero issue, totally seamless. So uh, well done, Sean Harvey. Yeah, anyway, uh, that's it for feedback. Thank you very much um, for all of it. We do appreciate it. You can email us in any observations, fearlessindevotion at gmail.com or get in touch with the Twitter account. Um, However, it's time now, finally, for Pat, Part two of our interview with Wrexham legend Rooster, Kevin Russell. Some really funny stories in this part of the interview, so we hope you enjoy. Did you know it was time to pack it in? No, 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 not at all. Well, I, to be fair, I always wanted to go into coaching. So I, I, I was coaching a good two or three years behind, before them because the club had gone to an academy. So I, mm. I was doing the under 14. So to be fair, I was like uh, taking under 14 three nights a week. On a Sunday, I was out coaching. So I was working seven days a week, I'll be honest. So yeah. I always had my eye on, I wanted to, to, to go into, into coaching in some capacity. Now, I was 35 then, to be honest, um, and I'd had, a, I'd had a bad knee for probably t- the last two years. I was struggling with my knee, I'll be honest. I was missing lots of training, had numerous operations. Um, I was, if you like, it got to a stage where I was probably training twice a week and then playing on a Saturday, training twice a week, playing on a Saturday. So I knew I was getting to, you don't want to, if, if you like, envisage that you're going to finish, but... I knew I was getting to that stage, and then I was, you know, that Dennis come in. Obviously, mm. Joey'd been with uh, Brian all that time, and I think I think Joey was exhausted by it all. Now everything had gone on. I'll be honest, and uh, I think he just wanted to step back a bit. And, and, and Joey said, "Listen to Dennis. If I was you, I'd, I'd 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 think about Kev going in working with you." So to be fair to Dennis, he said, "Listen, if you come and work with me for for a month, let's see how it goes." Um, if it goes well, then obviously I'll, you know I'll, I want to keep you on board, but under one provision because obviously Dennis is uh, his ankles and knees were in a bad way as, as, as far as coaching was going. He, he didn't do a lot of coaching at all. He come out on a set on a Friday and did his little bit of match prep if you like. That left left me to do well near enough everything really, as in the sense of organising training, putting the training on. So um, that's how it went really. And then after a month. Um, he said to me, listen, Kev, you're going to have to make a big decision. If you're going to do this, you're going to have to stop playing and you're going to have to obviously take it on board. Now, for me, 
you know, is a pathway where a lot of people don't get the opportunity. And, and to learn from a man of Dennis' experience and what he'd done and what he'd achieved in football, it was a no-brainer, you know. It was something really I didn't have to think long about, you know. So it was an unbelievable opportunity for me. If I, when I look yeah. back at it now, I learned so much. It was ridiculous, you know, for Dennis and and the situation that the club was in. You know, yeah. it was my first job. And to go through the administration and players not getting paid, not getting paid for two, three months on end, trying to keep people motivated, trying to keep players motivated, trying to put out fires left, right and centre. You know, as, as a young coach, it was that was really instrumental, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean... Uh, I've got a question. It's two. It's two. Two parts. I mean, how hard was it for you to to shield the players from the administration stuff, and you know, how, affecting your day to day? And then my second part is, how hard was Dennis as a person? Or was it? Yeah. Um, first, um, the administration part was was difficult, really difficult. No, you know, mm-hmm. you know, don't get me wrong. Players weren't getting paid much money then. You know, and you, and you, you know, you've got players on four hundred pound a week, and and, mm-hmm. and don't get paid for two months. Got no food coming in, no can't pay the mortgage, you know. And then when you ask them out to go out on Saturday and, and run for a brick wall, you know, it was hard. It was hard. The other thing as well, which was hard for me, you know, I'd always been a big part of the dressing room, you know. And yeah. I'm probably allowed to tell you, no one loves a joke more than me. I'm never out of trouble, you know, as far as in the dressing room and banter and everything else. And then to go on that side of it and have to come away from the boys a little bit, you know, that, that was difficult as well, you know. Mm. You know um, all of a sudden, I couldn't go out and have a drink with them. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Um, so that was difficult. So that the whole thing to adjust was difficult. So yeah, it was. But no, we managed to do it. And as as hard as in, um, funny, you know, because obviously you've met Dennis, Andy. Um, he's a really lovely man. Really well spoken. Yeah, very absolutely. intelligent. Really surprised. Um, you know, obviously I heard about his his per, you know personnel as a as a hard man and. You know, he's a bit before my time in the 70s, but all the stories. And, and then actually when you meet him and talk to him and, and um, engage in, in conversation with him, he's completely far away that you, than you'd ever think he was as a person. You know, and yeah. obviously now I've been at Stoke for eight, nine years. So, you know, De- Dennis at Stoke's like a god. He's a god, you know. So mm. I see him quite a bit now and... And it's a shame because of all that war wounds he's gone through throughout his career, you know, it took his soul on his body, without doubt, mm. you know. But, yeah, he was a tough man, very tough. And he expected the players to be like it. I can remember, I'll, t- I'll tell you one story. Remember, we played one Saturday, Hector Sam. He's got, someone's tackled him and he's got no shin pads on. So all of a sudden now, the uh, lad's gone over the top of him. So Mal, Mal Pedrick, the physio, has gone to me, Kev, we have to take him off. So what do you mean? He said, He's, cut, he's got his cut down his shin. It is, it's horrific. So what do you mean? He's going to need a lot of stitches. Okay. Next thing I said to Daniel, you're going to have to take him off. Why? He's got a real bad cut. Like, well, it, you should have heard him. He's gone mental. Fucking cut. You having a laugh? <laughs> he's staying on that fucking pitch. That's it. That ain't a cut. Honestly, it was horrific. And that, but that was Dennis, you know? You know yeah. That was, that, that was his... That was his Mindset, you know, he was, he was, it was all or nothing. You know, you had to put your body on the line. And he expected everyone to do it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know what you mean. It was, you know, he came as a reputation of a hard man. He was a really nice fella. He was a really thoughtful fella, actually. Unbelievable, um, so intelligent. Yeah. Is in, you know, you know, is it the, the interest he had in the, the books he read, and you know, he was, he was, uh, it's quite funny. And I'll tell you a story though. He's very dense. He's very. Um, he wants to win everything or he, or he has won anything, right? But it becomes a standard joke a bit. No, so if you were there and uh, you spoke about ping pong, for example, we go, I was a Staffordshire ping pong champion or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, we used to get in conversation. So we get Joey around the table so that, you, you know, he talk about, you know, his career and his 1972 League Cup winners medal. And then we'd all kick Joey. And Joey hated it, but he'd do it now and then. He'd throw it. Oh, I, when I won my... Uh, uh, <laughs> Division one medal and my European Cup medal. Dennis would get up and walk off. You can see it. 
was fucking devastated with me <laughs> giggling like <laughs> uh, Andy Holt Andy Holt last week uh, called him oh god he, what did he call him Darth Vader yeah he said, he said the, the nickname for him he said have a big yeah. black, black hood you come over to train because you could hardly walk to be fair, be right now. If he had a fucking stand of stair lift, he'd get there in about twenty minutes. But because he was walking, we'd we'd start training at half ten. By the time he got to the training pitch, it was about fucking half past twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but going back, I mean, it mu- it must have been good for you for for someone like that to have so much faith in you as a coach and an assistant manager. And I know you sort of touched on it, but how did your relationship change with the likes of, I don't know, Darren Ferguson, who's someone you would have a laugh and a joke with, and all of a sudden you have to manage the fella? Massively, massively. Me, me and him had unbelievable arguments in the dressing room, the lads would tell you, you know, you know, after, no, like half time talks, after games. You know, and I had Bry, Bry as well, who was, who was, you know, played with all the way through. You know, most of those boys in that dressing room I'd, I'd played with. So, yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult. But I'll be honest with you, they were brilliant because it was, listen, you, it's the same as ever, anything, isn't it? You know, people find you out. If, you, if you're not, if you're not, if they don't think you're good enough at what you're doing or you don't do your job well enough, you'll, you'll lose, you'll lose the dressing room, if you like. So, you know, they... Obviously, after a couple of weeks, they, 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 they were fully on board. They knew, they knew what I was doing. They, they trusted what I was doing. I got the respect to them. And as soon as that, that, that was it, then it was fine. But, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult. And anyone, you know, I look now and, you know, when, you, when people come play and managers, it's, I don't know how they do it, you know, because you can't be out on the pitch and then be making those decisions as well that, that are going to affect people's careers off the pitch as well. You know, it's a difficult one. It is, you know, and uh, it, it was it was a difficult situation for 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 a, a good couple of months or so, a good month, and then and they sorted itself out, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine the likes of Darren Ferguson wouldn't put up with it if they didn't think you were up to it, even if oh, you had no. been pals for years. Without that, the only the only the real positive thing of it as well is, especially in Dennis' point of view, uh, Dennis knew the lads would come to me with anything. You know, you know, if they had any sort of uh, problem or any doubt, or 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 they'd want to have in something, or they were upset with something, they'd come to me. So I was a real good sounding board for Dennis, to be fair in that in that sense. So listen, that could have been part of why he brought me in. You know, knowing Dennis, he probably thought about it. Thought, yeah, he's got close closest relationship with the boys where I could where I could touch into. You know, you've got to think now. Now I'm getting older myself. Is the fact that you know. Uh, that generation miss as well, you know, sometimes you're out killed with the younger boys, you know, so you need that, you need that, that balance to, to, be, to enable to be on point with them as well. If that makes yeah. sense. No, no, it does. I mean, do you think Dennis was the perfect person to be in charge of Wrexham when, when all the crap is happening off, off the field, just because, you know, he's experienced, he's been through it. He's, he doesn't suffer fools, which I know myself because uh, I've got on the wrong side of him a few times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is, was he the best person to have in that role? 100%. I still say now, and I've said it on record a number of times, the club would never, ever have got relegated if Dennis was at the football club. So this is going back to the year after where, yeah. yeah. Absolute no chance. Um, and that and that disappoints me, to be fair. You know, um, as you say, my affinity with the club and as you say, my kids were born there. I've got great friends in Wrexham, you know, and, and the club done unbelievable things for me in my own personal life, you know. So I've got a real affinity with the football club. And to see them, the way they've been for the last 15 years is <sighs> breaks your heart at times, you know. You know, I don't yeah. so never associate Wrexham with being a non-league football club. You know, and know. and to see that demise and uh, how it happened, it, it it you know it hurt. You know, um, yeah. And I and I don't think we'd have ever got to that stage. But but you know, as we said, you know, I touched on before, people have to make tough decisions, and mm. they have to live with them. You know, they made what they thought was the right decision, but for me, it was well, you know, ridiculous decision at the time. Are you still better about about the way it happened and how, how yeah, you and yeah, Dennis were jettisoned? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did make me bitter, definitely. If I, I'd be telling lies if I didn't. And only the fact that obviously Jeff Moss had come in with Nev, uh, and they were running the club. And now Nev and Dennis were best mates and been best mates for a long, long time. 
So that, that I, know, I could get my head around that. I'll be honest. You know, Nev knew Dev uh, uh, Dennis very very well. Um, if anything, all right, it, you know, we we'd had a little bit of a bad spell, but I still think we'd just blow halfway. We want like as if we're we're in massive trouble. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe the timing of it, how it happened. Um, but that, that, you know, these things happen. You know, that, that's football, isn't it? You know, um, and yeah, it did hurt. It did hurt for a while. I'll be honest. But but you know, what now being in football for a long time now, on the coaching side of it, you know, nothing shocks you in football. I'll be honest. Now, you know, you know, you, it, it doesn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, what was the budget like at that at that point? Because I know I know Jeff had just come in, and I know I know the budget was was quite big. The season the season when Saunders took over, for for example, was it? Nothing. Were you still working with compl- uh, within absolute, the restraints? Yeah, absolute shoestring, absolute mm-hmm. shoestring. No, and to be fair, we're doing we you know we're trying to you know we're trying to find gems from all sorts of places. You know, you know we you know the wages were poor. To be fair, the only, the only, you know, as well documented, the only people who were on half decent money, but then Daz, Daz's money got slashed massively as well. But, but that was from, to be fair, at the end of Brian's reign, at the end then, there was um, some money was I'm trying to think who, who was, Price was in charge, but there was investors. Yeah, price. Yeah. price was in charge, investors come in, and then there was an influx of money there where a couple of the boys or a few of the boys we're on half decent money for that level at the time. Uh, but then obviously that all got slashed. But going on to that, before I say, because I, I shouldn't I shouldn't do it really. I've gone past it, but as a chairman, price was unbelievable, by the way. What's yeah. a man? Yeah. What's a, he was a like, proper local local businessman, Duncan. He just wanted to be to get back, wasn't he? Yeah. You no, know, you, know, you probably had some of the players some of the towns could tell about that man, you know, the Magaluf trips we had with him. Frightening. No, what a man! <laughs> no, he's absolute legend of a band. I think you're going to have to say something about the Magaluf. I, I need to know more about Price Griffiths in Magaluf, please. Well, we've gone out one night, Magaluf. So we're in this bar, and uh, Price, Price was brilliant at socialising. You know, we'd get, he'd talk to anyone, and uh, he was fond of, he was fond of a young lady. You know, he'd like it, he'd like a little chat and a giggle. So we were in this club one night. And Price is on this dance floor with this young bird and she's spinning him around. And we're looking, thinking, this is going to fucking end in tears and all this. Next minute, bosh, he's over. <laughs> so there's claret everywhere, and I mean everywhere, right? So we're really worried about him. Fucking like thinking, fucking, he's in trouble here. Anyway, goes to hospital. So in the morning, we think, right, Trank's going, you know, he's dead. So we go... In the morning, we fucking wake up. Flynn, he calls a meeting. Says, right, we're thinking Price is dead. So, um, right, you know what happened to Price last night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's okay. He's just come in now. So he's had about 10 stitches now. This is about half 10 in the morning. Comes in Price. Fucking hell, we're on the plane. Right, lads. Right, we're meeting in the bar in half hour, and we're getting on it again. Mate, it's like 70 fucking six. Put the lads to shame. Honestly. What a legend is. Oh, and what that a legend! Just a, just a, just a one, one of many stories, you know. But you could sit there for hours, and I could sit there for hours and listen to some of these tales, you know. You know, yes. he was brilliant. You know, he's well respected, as you say, with the chairmen. He was proper old school. If you won, it absolutely you couldn't get him on the bus. He'd be on the bus. He'd be legless. But then, if you lost, he'd be fucking legless, and he'd make you wait on the bus. So there was no, you knew it was all going to be late. He was proper. When all lose, have some booze. And if you draw, we'll have some more. He was one of them. Oh, that's great, though. Someone who had really, you know, someone who really loves owning a football club. You don't, you don't get it as much. You know, sometimes it's just a business, isn't it? But yeah. it's just nice to hear stories about someone who you really cared. And I always thought he had a bit of a bad a, a bad rep at the end because obviously he got to a stage in life where he had to sell something that he yeah. loved and yeah. sometimes you can't do due diligence on the people who are going oh, to buy him it and, him and Dennis to be fair got him really well no really well and obviously when, when he sold the club obviously what, listen whatever reason he sold it for whether he had to get out where he was at financially or he'd been sold down the river you know whatever no one knows you know and I still have this a little bit now when I think about everything we went through, you know, about uh, when Gutterman come in. About One thing I'd say with Gutterman, he always said from day one what he was trying to do. 
So he, always, he did, didn't lie in the fact that he said, right, I'm going to try and stay out of the ground. I'm going to try and do this and try and do that. So it, it, from day one, which everyone opposed to, which is great. But then yeah. when the club got sold again, they did it anyway. Mm. So that, I don't yeah. get that. Do you know what I mean? That, that kind of rubs me up the wrong way a little bit as well. So obviously, Jeff come in, him and Nev, and eventually they sold off bits of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's almost like they came in as heroes, but then did, did it even, even in a more underhand way in many ways. Well, yeah, yeah. no, you never know until you're, unless you're unless you're privy to all the all the all the stuff that went on so that's something you know you're never going to know but the, i always thought about it at the t- you know like afterwards at the time you know you know like it just a bit it was a bit strange you know but but you know when you think at the time when we we were there and, and, and to be fair brian that's where brian did brilliant the training ground was unbelievable at the time you know compared to obviously the ground the ground was, you know, the standard, the Crossgrove stand had been built. There was still, there was, there was always been talk about the cop being done, but obviously it had never been done. But, but, you know, we owned the ground. You know, it, it, there was loads of, uh, a lot of work was done behind the scenes in, in investing the money wisely, if that makes sense. And then, and then if you look now, you know, there's, you know, you don't own anything, you know, which is a shame. Yeah. Hopefully it gets back to where, where, where it should be, you know. No, I know, and we'll probably come on. I'm being political here, but, but it's something yeah, that needs to be thrown out there, you know. No, totally, and th- these are what these these chats are about. I mean, it, it's quite when you talk to ex-pros and ex-players, um, you always feel that you have an idea of what's going on behind the scenes. And it's also sometimes nice to sort of, for an ex-pro or an, an, an ex-assistant manager to sort of tell you that you weren't far away, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That, all, that, yeah. that, that There's always a little bit of truth to, to these rumours. And it just sheds a light on it. And it just makes things a bit more transparent about what went on. And it's, you know, if we were still struggling in non-league, we're still with, fan ownership it would be hard to, to listen but now we're in a slightly different stage we well, can reflect on this more with that with that with Dennis then when, when we were in the deepest darkest days I remember we went to Plymouth once uh, no where, Bristol it was it was Bristol we played Bristol Rovers and we and, and obviously me and Dennis were in charge and obviously you know as a system manager you're doing a lot of stuff as in sorting out uh, pre-match staff and making sure everything's taken care of and the food's right and whatever. Anyway, we've gone to Bristol Roads. This is when Gutman was in charge. This was like the dark days when we weren't getting paid and stuff like that. So it happened twice. It happened at Bristol and it happened at Plymouth. So we've gone in and Bill Wingrove, who was the commercial manager there, knew... Who, who I remember Bill. Couldn't lie straight in bed. But, you know, if you yeah. if put around, you had to count your fingers, you know, one of them, right? He uh, twice went. He said, right, I said, Bill, I'm going to go and sort out the bill. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm just going, no, 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 no. Got on the coach. What do you mean? Kevin, we've not fucking paid the bill. Get on the coach and fuck off. Now, that, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? You know, and that happened a few times, you know. And as you okay. say, the lads weren't getting paid. And that's where we were. That was where yeah. we were, you know. Um, and as you say, you're trying to put a football team out and be competitive. You know, and in the end, it got a bit of a joke. Let's giggle about it in the end. You know, it was, it was, but he was another one. He was a lovable road bill. Lovely, but you couldn't dislike him. You know, he's a proper no, like, second air car salesman, you know, Absolutely. proper. But, but he had that charisma around him where you couldn't help but like him if you made sense, you know? I know, and I, and I know there was so much of that going on behind the scenes and, and it does bring a football club's name into disrepute. Oh. And, yeah, you know, and with social media now, you probably couldn't have done it half as much as they were doing it yeah. back then. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You mentioned that obviously that you know, with the club being on a shoestring, it, it sort of reminds me of uh, we had Lee Trundle on uh, this podcast quite yeah. early on, and he was talking about how he came to leave, and a big part of that was just there was no contract on the table until no. almost the last day of the season, and you know, re- obviously you. The, the the management team at the time will have wanted to tie him down for for a few years, but just couldn't. Obviously, we were absolutely desperate. We were devastated when it, obviously that happened. You know, we just got promoted. Lee had been brilliant that season with Andy Morrell. Them two together with absolute different gear. You know, people forget we had them two together. We're flying. You know, mm. and uh, and that happened with Dennis as well. Big Dennis Carlos. You know, and you were just like helpless, really. And it was like, yeah, you know, I'm a big. 
sometimes, you know, and with 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 my career with Peterborough with Daz as well with, with the chairman there, the expectation was different, and it was like really, you know, you had to win, you had to get promoted. But the same again, you had to produce players to then sell on. So it was different, but you knew the players were going to go. But there was the same at Wrexham where you knew the players were going to go, but you had to find another gem just to fill that void. Where Peterborough was a bit different where you had to fill another player because he wanted to sell it on, sell him on. Does that make sense? But you're always chasing your towel. You could never, you could never, as you like, you could never rest on your laurels because you knew that we didn't have the money to keep him. You know, and I'm sure Lee would, Lee would have stayed. Lee loved it though. You know, yeah. I'm sure he would have done. You know, but to be fair to Lee, probably the right move. And he went on and did great things and brilliant because he's a great kid, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, that, that time like that, that was really, that was heartbreaking at times, you know, because we built a good team. So I was saying, we want far. I remember, because if people forget, we were the first team to go to take the, first, the, the 12 point administration. We're the yeah. very first team. Mm. Now, I remember, I think, it, I'm, I, I might be, I'm sure it was, we played Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. And we were saying like eight from, from the top, we were in a really good position. And then we, that just killed us. We just went, poof, you know, took the stuffing out of everyone, you know. But, yeah. you know, that was a good squad of players. And, you know, well, I think we might have been pushing even then, you know. Yeah. You know, but as you say, uh, when you look at it now with what goes on with administration at the time, when it very first happened, it was a real, real, like, kick in the bollocks, you know. Yeah. Interested by what you said as well about, you know, Dennis Smith, um, if he was in charge, we wouldn't have gone down. Uh, you know, what, what is it that makes you say that? Obviously, you know, he went and things kind of, we just continued on a pretty bad slide. But is there anything in particular you think that... His experience, his tactical know-how, his mm. uh, man management skills, been there, seen it, done it, never really got panicked, never really got rustled. You know, that, that he was he thrived under pressure, that, that yeah. kind of mentality, you know. You know, and... Um, no, to, no, like no disrespect to Brian and uh, Steve. You know, two real novices have gone in, there and that was you know p- proper pressure. You know, after the Dennis left, it did feel a little bit, from what I remember, that we we were we were a team and a club without a plan, just panicking for about eighteen months. Basically, it was just just get some loanees in, get some players in. Where I feel like Dennis maybe would have just been able to have kept a cool head and and made a plan. Yeah, but oh, without doubt, you know, as I said before, you're always trying to evolve. That, that That's the thing with a lot of lower league clubs, especially, you know, I think at the time then, I think we, you know, they kind of got the reputation again of tell what Rex and they get, they're fine, decent players, right? And you'll be, and you, and you be able to pick them off for cheap money, right? That that was a kind of, you know, if you look at that, that squad of players, that was kind of the emphasis that was kind of going down. So you had a great eye for a player, Dennis. So, no, we were always out there. Always, you know, don't get me wrong, we weren't competitive wage-wise, but, you know, that non-league thing then, you could pick the players up, you know, and I know that well from, when, you know, going into Peterborough just after, you know, you, you know, you didn't need a great deal of money, but obviously you did in the fact that you needed, your infrastructure needed to be right, and your scouting system needed to be right, your recruitment systems, are, for me, is, is the biggest part of the football club. You know, it's bigger than the management. You know, if, you're not, if you haven't got your recruitment strategies right, then you're going to fail no matter what, you know. And, um, you know, we, 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 at that time, we tended to pick players up. Um, can I just come in on this, Kev? Because I, I, you've touched on this like a, a bit earlier that, you know, you had to lose the likes of Lee Trundle and bring someone else in. So, you, you know, you are taking gambles on players and, you know, you, you, you pick some, some really good ones. There's some that have gone down in legend from sort of your time that, probably weren't on that sort of level. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about the likes of Xavi uh, Valero. Um, I'll, tell you, I mean... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story on him. So, right, this is a story. So we get a video sent through, right? So it, it, the video comes up and he's playing. Right, and I was very naive. I, I was very young then, you know, as in coaching roles. We're watching it with Dennis. So there's a big crowd in watching it. And I went, and obviously now I went, then. Then said, it fucking looks all right. I think I might sign him. I said, then it might not even fucking be him. He said, you know, it was very early stages in video. I went, I'm fucking not comfortable signing him like that. And then I tell you, and he went, well, I don't see who, you know, what we can do. Because we had, uh, goalkeeper-wise, we had our carrots, Paul Jones, the young boy. Uh, yeah, Dibs was injured, so, wasn't he? Anyway, we played Chesterfield away. It's got to be the worst fucking 45 minutes of the goalkeeping experience I've ever seen in my life. So, half time, to be fair, Dennis goes, I'm fucking taking him off. I went, 
take him off. I wanted to get him off after the first 10 minutes. Right. And we say that, what a coaching career that boy's had. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because he, he must not work on catching the fucking football. That's for Jill. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was there anyone else you thought that came in and you thought, oh, bloody hell, I'm not sure about him? Oh, we had the, the trialist. Have you heard the one about the trialist? We had a trialist in from, uh, a boy comes in from Holland. And then, excuse me, I can't think of his name now anyway. So this boy comes in as a goalkeeper. So he's in for two weeks, right? I swear to God, he's like fucking Stevie Wonder in goal, mate. If the ball going one side, he dives the other side. Fucking hands across him, him absolutely all over the place, right? Anyway, it, somehow we kept getting into Dennis's office and talked him into it. So we go to Bradford away and then... Um, he turns up in the morning with the squad of players. So I went, Ben, what's happening here? He went, he's asked me if he can come on the bus for a bit of experience. I said, oh, okay. So anyway, get on the bus. So we're going to the game, go down into the tunnel, go and sit on the dugout. He's fucking in the dugout. So I was like, left there, obviously, because I concentrating the game for, what the fuck's going on here? And I said, right. Anyway, comes in, trains next week. So he's in all week training. So, um, uh, so he t- takes the try. He, he trains. He's fucking useless. So I'm like, Danny, this kid is useless. He's, he's never been a goalkeeper. Oh, you know, and he kept, for some reason, he kept kept telling that. Anyway, we had some real bad snow at the time. The pitch was really hard. So he's gone right. I'll be able to get some some fucking hay to make the ground warm underneath. But, but that I'm a multi-millionaire. I've got all this and all that coming out. With all this spills and like anyway. I'm thinking this this kid this ain't right. Anyway, lads go out on a, it's around Christmas time. Lads go out on a Christmas night out. They go to Liverpool. Anyway, some some girl in the bar goes down and she literally dies. He he saves this girl's life. This kid gives her fucking CPR, mouth to mouth. The lot saves her wow. life. He's getting drink for lads all night. Lads are all loving him. Typical Dutch boy, you know, a bit arrogant about him. Yeah, anyway, confidence. Now, week later, Dennis, we're in the office. Interpol's on the fucking phone. So we're like, Interpol? Yeah. He was a fucking fraudster. He'd done the same for F1. Said he was a Formula One driver. What? Been going around the fucking world. Mate, he ends up at fucking Wrexham with us. Honestly, it was unbelievable, the story. Was he, was, he, was he staying for nothing, was he, presumably? Yeah. Penny South said he was a millionaire. Uh, goal. You, you could tell he won a goal. He could fucking kick the ball. Mate, he sucked, sucked Dennis in for about two weeks, three weeks. Oh, wow, talk about what? confidence. You need some minerals to pull that off. Oh, mate. Yeah, you're not wrong. So we had some, around that time as well, without, without everything that going on, we had, a, you know, there was some good laughs when they trained the ground as well. We had once, we had a, um, this is quite funny to be fair. The, the, the lads were driving me mental. They were all into golf like driving me mental every day. We had Lee Jones, who, to be fair, kept getting injured, right? But he kept, every time he was injured, I kept hearing he was on the golf course. It's fucking driving me mental, to be fair, right? So anyway, I, I heard the lads talking about golf clubs. They were getting golf clubs from, like, stolen golf clubs from somewhere. And I've clocked it. I've heard it out of my ear. So I thought, right, I'm not going to say nothing. So anyway, Paul Jones, Carrot's dad, is a scouser. He's a proper scally lad. Nice lad, but good laugh. So I pulled him and went, listen, do me a favour. So I said, he said, I want give it about three weeks. I'm going to ring you. I want you to ring the club up and tell them that you're from the Liverpool, your uh, Liverpool police, right? You've heard about stolen golf clubs and you want to interview Steve Weaver, right? So anyway, I leave. It. I've left this now. Three weeks. Anyway, lads were all at usual fucking buzzing around the dressing room. So I ring this carrots. So I ring him. I go right, do it now. So I'm in the room now. So the phone rings. Steve Weaver picks up. Uh, Mr. Weaver, yeah, this is Liverpool Constabulary. This is Sergeant so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, we've heard you've uh, been receiving stolen cl- golf clubs. We're going to come into the club at one o'clock to interview you. Is that okay? Puts the phone down, he's fucking white. So anyway, he's fucking told all the lads now. The lads was like wacky races, mate. They were ringing home, getting golf clubs out of home, <laughs> throwing them everywhere. Weaves had gone home. It is golf clubs. Coops had gone home. It is golf clubs. It's quite, of course, chaos. So anyway, Weaves goes into Dennis Smith and goes, he goes, before that, he goes, Kev, you've got a word. I went, yeah, he goes, my fucking career's over. It's not even started. What am I going to say? I'm received, I've received a stolen golf club. What am I going to say to the manager? 
I knew all this. I went, you have to tell him, didn't you? So I'm playing along with it. So I'll go in with Stephen Dennis. So Reeves goes, Den, I've got something to tell you. What's up? Uh, uh, someone I bought a golf club of someone and a lot of the other no I bought a golf club of someone and the police are on they want to come and interview me yeah it's a stolen golf club he's gone you're fucking joking Dennis like so he goes what are you doing you fucking idiot who else has got it so then we goes like I was laughing talk about a grass well everyone that our club's got one right I'm crying inside <laughs> anyway so Dennis goes, you fucking stupid man. Fucking, we're going to be in trouble here. So anyway, I'll, let, I'll, I'll come out the room, leave it. So we go out to train. You know, at college party, we had the veranda over the training pitches, didn't you? So I've gone out, and Weaves is up this, but he's head on the fucking thing like this. So I said, listen, you better get out. You've got to do training. I can't do training. My head's gone. What we're going to tell the missus? What we're going to do this? Mate, I'll let this go on to about three o'clock in the afternoon, mate. <laughs> I come in after training, so I've gone to Weaves. You're right. He went, yeah. I went, listen, it's not real. What do you mean it's not real? He said, it's fucking, I made up. I've got so and so. Mate, he never even said that. Was that relieved? He just went, oh, for fuck's sake. Just took it. <laughs> Dennis gave me the biggest bollocking ever. You silly little bastard. What do you do? <laughs> but maybe the things, you know, like even though yes. times were dark. You know, there was so much fun that we had there as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, hope Liverpool, I, hope Liverpool police aren't li- I was going to say, I hope Liverpool police aren't listening to this now. Yeah, no, it's just a well. conviction now. It's 10 years, mate. Don't worry about it. We're, we're all all right with this. <laughs> um, right, I've got, I've got another reader question for you. This is from the delightfully named AskPanda4000 on Twitter, who's actually asked a really sensible question. He says, there's always been speculation of Rooster and Fergie being overlooked for the management roles at Wrexham. Was there ever a discussion with the owners at the time? And if he was asked now, would it be something he'd consider or has too much time gone by? Um... No, when it first happened, no. I, I left the club uh, with Dennis, and then I think Dad was really disappointed he didn't get the job. I'll be honest, and he was overlooked, and Bri took it. Then Dad left, and then straight away rung me and said, "Listen, will you come with me?" So obviously, I had 10, 10 great years with Dad. You know, um, as for the job, as it ever once it nearly, it nearly, and uh, when Gary Mills went. I did speak to I did speak to uh, the chief executive at the time, um, but it never really went any further. I'd just come into here. I'll be honest. Um, I'd been here in about two years. To be fair, the owners and the the, the people at the club, the chief executive here, have been brilliant to me. You know, it's unbelievable football club. Um, and they, at that time, I didn't think it was quite right because. The things that were going on here now, where well, they looked after me, um, would would I? Yes, I think now now the infrastructure. I think when when, when the fans had it, I didn't think it was a, the right the right thing to go into. I think it needed a beneficiary massively to push it on. I think it's a good idea that the fans were involved. I think it's a good idea that the fans are still involved. But as to own the club, I don't think you're ever going to, in this day and age, you're ever going to have the, the funds to to um, really contest, if that makes sense. I think now the club's in a really good position by the look of it. Um, so my opinion would change probably now. But saying that, I think, I think you've got a good person in charge who's really experienced in the lower leagues, it's been there, seen it. So, you know, I think that there's a good chance that they're in a position where they can do well this season. I was going to ask yeah. about that. What Have you have you come across Phil Parkinson? How, yeah. how have you come across him? I've to Phil uh, over the last couple of weeks, to be honest. So I won't name the player, but I tried to get a, a player out on loan to, to Rexham, which didn't quite happen. So I know Phil well. Um, nice bloke, honest bloke. Very And Steve. Steve's a great bloke, Steve Parkin. Two, two people who are well-respected in the game. Um, so I'm sure they do well, you know. Um, and, you know they've been in a, been been in around the lower leagues. I know it's non-league, but that in itself brings brings other issues. As in knowing the standard, knowing the players, you know, it's a different environment. I think if you do go into that, you've got to have some round around you a little bit who does know it. If that makes sense, you know, because um, it's a different proposition altogether, you know. But 
as you say, I think it, I, I would say I think they've got a great chance this year with with obviously the, the backing they've got. The support has been immense off the pitch as well, ridiculous. But that also brings expectation, you know, and the players are going to have to deal with that. A lot of those players in that lower leagues who have played in the lower leagues would never have had the expectation they're going to have to have a Wrexham. Because all of a sudden now Wrexham at that level is a big club, like a really big club. You know, so every game they play is a cup final and everyone who beats them is a scout. So you've got to deal with that as well. And also, there is a few clubs this year in that league. You know, I'll be honest with you, a lot of the clubs in that league are stronger than the clubs that are in the football league. It's going to be a hard division to get out of, you know. You know, there's a lot of lot of, lot of money being spent in there by a lot of teams. So, you know, it, it, but I think they've got a, a good person in charge, I think. How how would a player like uh, Dan Jarvis uh, thrive in that atmosphere? Dan, who's someone who I think you probably know quite well. Dan, Dan, I'll be honest with you, um, he's a really good footballer, really talented boy, really talented boy. Dan could be anything he wanted to be. For me, I thought he'd thrive in that environment, you know, the, 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 the big crowds. He, he, I think the downside, and, and Dan, Dan know I'm, I'm talking through experience after having a long time, he's got to have the full package up. at times. Dan, he's, he's, he, um, without the ball, if you like, he can, he can get lost a little bit. Uh, with the ball when he's confident and playing well he's a really talented boy but for me he's got to bring consistency to his game which he hasn't done yet um, so that penny needs to drop for him quickly really but there's no yeah. doubt he's, got, he's a talented boy he's, st- he's still not getting a look in at the moment um, yeah. I know ironically enough there was possibly an opportunity tonight in terms of that Jordan Davis is obviously out but they've opted for another attacking midfielder so they obviously don't feel at the moment that he that he's doing enough so, as you say on yeah. the ball on the ball we it's obvious to see how much talent he's got yeah he's a very talented boy um, but as I say he's got it ain't about just being good on the ball do you know what I mean there's all the other aspects to the game which he needs to be better at you know if he can bring that to the table, but that's that's why he got that's why he left the club. But everyone keeps saying if he can do that, it ain't about yeah. if he's got to do it, you know. And uh, he's running out of time, the kid, you know. But he's a talented boy. He, he could be one of them boys, you know. There's many. Oh, he could have been a player, but he ain't because mentally he hasn't a doubt with it, you know. He has to have a stronger mentality. And if he can, if he can, if the penny can sink, and he he could be he could be anything, the kid, but. As you say, he's got, he's got, he's not a young kid now. He's got to grow up, you know, start, start performing, start producing on a consistent level. We've got a bit of a quick fire round for you, for you, Kev. So it's five questions, just whatever comes into your head, and this is just sort of your time at Wrexham. It could be as a player, as a, as, a, as an assistant manager. Who is the most skillful? Most skillful. That's a different one. Um, probably say Yozzi was good. Brian, you know, tight areas, good feet, good pass with the ball. Yeah, probably, probably, probably say that. I wouldn't disagree with you there. Right, who had the worst dress sense? Fucking hell, it was loads. <laughs> oh, Colin, he's got to be up there, isn't he? Benno's got to be up there. Oh, is he? Right, okay. Them two have got to be up there, them two. Ben, Cole and Ben have got to be up there for right. me. But interesting. Who's the biggest moaner? And I think I've, after spending 10 years with someone, I think you probably... Fergie could moan. Brammer <laughs> could moan. Brammer right. could moan as well. Fergie and Brammer, I'd say. Them two by a mile. Yeah, Fergie's been the answer of almost everyone who's played with him on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, a, do you know what though? Moan in a good way. Yeah, they've all said that. High standards. Yeah. 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 Not not moaning for moaning for the sake of it, but moan like you know because because it needed to be said or do you, do you know what I mean in a good way? Yeah. yeah. Did Brammer moan for the sake of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scouser though. Yeah. Well, you said that, not me. <laughs> Who was the most underrated? Oh, that's the quantum thing because you know a lot of them were rated. To be fair, do you know? Do you know he's a really good because I I remember I remember him because he was around my age and I played with him as a kid as well. Who until he got injured was r- ridiculously good player. Tony Hume was a good player, you know. No. You know what I mean? He's in reading the game. He's in 
You know what I mean? Because when he was at Wrexham, he had one leg really, mate. Because mm. when he was a kid, he was a proper player. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, you know, so it, that's a really hard one to say, really. It's a really hard one to say, but he, he was a good player. He was a good player, Tony. Yeah. And then finally, in this in this sort of section, who was the tightest with money? Andy Marriott by Miles. Oh, was it? Great. By Miles, mate. Fucking hell, by Miles. I remember once, he was getting sponsored gear. Um, I think it might have been Adidas, and he said to Wayne, come round, Wayne Phillips, come round and... Um, I've got some gear, some Adidas gear here. Come round and have a look. So and Wayne's gone round and gone, yeah, I like that, I like that, I like that. That's nice. Yeah, that'd be 20 quid. Golfy Wayne's about to die Davis, isn't he? Bless him. Oh, that's oh, absolutely me. brilliant. Love an Andy Marriott story. We, we, haven't had, we haven't had as many as we need on this uh, pod. I've, I've got loads of stories on Andy Marriott, make funny ones, but look fucking hell. We, we used to crucify him in fair. Oh, we need, to, we need to get him on at some point. I think he works in the tourist industry now, does he? Do you speak, uh, yeah, speak to him at all? Someone said to me, was he selling cars or something for Bentley or something in London, I got told. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I've never really been to Bentley uh, dealership, but I might pop in to see if I can I'm sure, see I'm sure safe hands. Something like that, or Rolls Royce or something. No, like one of the big, big cars. I'm sure someone said to me he was doing that. But he, wow. was, he was a fucking tight man in, mate. Do you know what? I'm not going to go to him for a deal then. <laughs> Probably why he's a car dealer, mate. <laughs> Thanks again, Kevin Russell, for his time. It's that time of the week now where we discuss our shitey heroes, the worst wrecks of 11 of our lifetimes. We've done our keeper back four and middle three. And now we've got three up top. Uh, Andy, you can go first. You ready? I'm always ready. Of course you are. Okay, three, two, one, go. The Rick Parry and the Liverpool link was great for a while. as We somehow got some Premier League starlets on loan, but for every Ryan Flynn, there is a Robbie Foy. Who, you may ask? Well, our Robbie was a weedy-looking winger and played 17 times during those dark days where Wrexham were doing their best to eye up the conference. He was temperamental and wore a giant ear stud. He seemed to have the trappings of fame without really the talent to back it up. At the end of August, he reached his zenith of his entire career, scoring twice in two games against Berry and Barnett. But it didn't really kick on for our Robbie, and a brief spell of scumfork followed after he left us. After that, no one could be bothered to update his Wikipedia page. But, as an aside, my sister bought his Mini a few years later. As you can imagine, it was bright yellow and had black go faster stripes. Like him, it looked a little bit more flash than it actually performed. It also had Foy on the reg, so people around Wrexham would have thought she was him, if anyone remembered who he was, which they didn't. Wow, what a case. Uh, Andy, that's yours done. Um, Tim, you happy to go next? Three, two, one, go. Maheta Malango is a name known to many Reds fans of a certain generation, but for all the wrong reasons. The Swiss-born Italian striker arrived at the racecourse in November 2006, coming on a month's loan from Brighton. Boss Dennis Smith said at the time, I'm told he is a smashing lad who work, who work his socks off. The Congo under-21 player came with some pedigree, having played in Germany and with Atletico Madrid. However, in just four starts, his time, his time in a red shirt would be best remembered for the time he took a shot on goal and cleared the cop making Richard Brody's penalty miss for Grimsby against us in the trophy look like a scuff in comparison. <laughs> Whilst his playing career was crap, Malanga had an esteemed rise off the pitch. He was legal counsel at Atletico Madrid and oversaw over 30 huge transfer deals. And in June of this year, he was appointed chief executive of the PFA for England and Wales. But whilst looking at this, I've just checked on Twitter now and he's blocked fearless in devotion. So screw you, Mehet and Malanga. Is he actually? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, he'd be quite good to get on the pod. Um, you are blocked from following and viewing his tweets. <laughs> well, Why? What have I done? Well, well I know. Have to go search now. What have you said about him? Yeah, I can't take a joke. <laughs> so that 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 was a, that was a shock. But yeah, well done, Mehmet Malongo, on on glossing over that awful career and doing very very well for yourself off it. Well, he's definitely not coming on now, right? Anyway. Uh, Liam, <laughs> Liam, you can go next. I'm saving myself to last because I don't know what I'm going to say yet. Uh, three, two, one, go. Okay, so in my experience, strikers are generally either hit or miss with little space in between. In the case of Michael Bakari, it's safe to say he was a massive miss. Signed by Gary Mills from Welling United, 
Uh, he was joined alongside him by the wonderfully named but equally crap Norte Norte, who joined at the same time. He was the sort of player that left you questioning if he'd want a competition to come and play for us. Um, some strikers, you can see that they've got a bit about him, but there was just nothing special whatsoever about Michael Bakari. Someone associated with the club once regaled me with a story of how terrible his fitness was. In training, he made a, a gut-busting run of about 100 metres before falling on the floor knackered, essentially. Um, only made eight appearances for us and went on to find his level with Connor's key. Uh, I've just checked and he's now applying his trade with an Icelandic team for John Lawn on there, I think it's pronounced. So yeah, Michael Bakari, crap. Right then, me next. Um, let's just get on with it. Three, two, one, go. In 2007, we were sinking and sinking fast. We desperately needed goals and we managed to sign Evion Williams, who had a phenomenal record for Carnarvon Town and Barrytown, more than a goal a game. And then with a solid goal scoring record for Hartlepool and Torquay, when we signed him on a two-year contract in June 2007, I was pretty pleased. He scored two goals on his debut in a 3-2 home defeat to Liverpool. And I was really pleased. I thought he's going to get some goals this season. And then he scored his first and only goal for Wrexham in a 1-0 win over Bury in December 2007. However, this was the last of his, I think, 12 appearances for the Reds. In scoring the goal, he managed to pull his hamstring and was replaced. And this turned out to be his final ever appearance as a professional player. Uh, just sums it up, really. I've got nothing else to add. I say, good career, uh, but just never cut the mustard with us, unfortunately. Right. That is a strong, strong feel. It's a We've strong gone too feel. early. We've gone too early. <laughs> you can't put Bakari and Milongo in the same one. What, what are we playing at? Yeah, that's... Uh... We can we can always do. To be fair, in in uh, Mighty Heroes, we we had a renomination for Lee Trundle, didn't we? Or Andy Morell. So I think it, under exceptional circumstances, I'll have to go and check the the Phyllis in Devotion Constitution. But I think it is doable. Wow. Uh, any anyone budging? Is it between those two? Are we saying to start oh, with? It's got to be. Absolutely has to be. They were both pure shite. <laughs> I think I think my vote goes for Bakari because we actually needed him. Yeah, we had nothing yeah, I mean, else. When I was doing the Malongo research, he, he was the third striker brought in by Smith at the time because we had injuries and I think Crystal Allen had been had been uh, sidelined for you know his dodgy disciplinary records. I think he was out, out of the mix as well. And we had, was it Craddock, Tom Craddock? And he was good. Somebody he was Smith. Good. Yeah, so um, I know what you're saying. I, I think yeah, it's, it's classic... You know, Malongo did it. It's 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 the it's the term of somebody skies the cop. However, I'm inclined to keep him in the sort of cult hero status for all the wrong reasons and and go with Liam's suggestion because for me, Bakari will be forever be remembered for missing an, a very simple hat trick against Chester in the derby. It was just a stinker after stinker after stinker, and then he goes and tears it up with the nomads. So. Clearly, he fits the bill, doesn't he? He's he's got he's got something about him, but it didn't happen for him at Wrexham. Well, I think is that Liam. We all agreed. Should we just yeah, yeah, Bakari. Um, you're in. in. <laughs> Bakari, welcome to the Shite Heroes. Yeah, maybe, maybe Malongo could be some. You could have a role at boardroom level for the Shite Heroes, couldn't he? I don't know. Yeah, you know, Malongo. Malongo. I was told uh, a couple of years ago that he was a traffic warden in, in uh, Bliner. <laughs> and I believed it because I had no other information that he was actually about to be PFA chairman. So, well, w w wondrous Daily Post scribe Thomas Kaus can look into that as part of his uh, ongoing manifesto to bring North Wales to the masses. So I think you should look into that. Didn't one. we waste a good chant on Malongo as well? I think it was what's that coming over the hill? Is it Malongo? Oh, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> what about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, All right. He was rubbish. As for Ivan Williams, I know we haven't discussed it, but yeah, he was, he was decent at Hartlepool, wasn't he? And he yeah, was... yeah, I, th I think he had, so he had a solid, if not incredible, a pretty solid goal-scoring record at Hartlepool and Torquay. Mm. So I think when we signed him, we were excited, but you know, but by the looks of it, he barely had one hamstring left, let alone two. And then when the, when the second one went, then he was, uh, it was uh, curtains for him. 
But there we go. Anyway, time now for uh, predictions. Andy, uh, sc- any any changes, scores and doors? Yeah. Oh, this is unfortunate, isn't it? Um, yeah, so Tim got the Barney oi, oi. dead on. Oh. <laughs> Cheers, bees. Cheers. I went for and a draw, didn't I? Yeah, bees. but a lot of us, a lot of us got this. But don't don't fret, Reese, because okay. me and you both got the Marine score, Bob, on as well. Yes, two 0 Excellent. So five points for us two. Um, everyone went for a win there, so it's either two or five points around. Everyone went. For, well, no, actually, me and Tim went for a win at Barnet. I went three one. Tim went three nil. Reese, you sat on the fence, so a, a draw. And yeah. Liam, Liam, do you like that Chester shirt? You went for a one nil. Reverse loss. psychology. Reverse psychology, that's what it was. Okay, well, this week we've got two games, haven't we, Andy? Yeah, we got Maidenhead on Tuesday. Me and you are going out, we race. Yes, I'm very excited for my uh, pilgrimage up the M4. And the other one is, well, quite a big one, actually. We should probably talk about this game. Oh, yeah, we should. Um, there's... Because Torquay at home, there might be some special guests. Yes, I'm coming up. Yeah, I've heard my mate Marcus is coming over from from uh, from Clandidno as well. Is Scottish so... Pete coming. Oh no, no, absolutely not. Gary Bennett and Glenn Little. Um, Liam is going to have to be restrained for that one. <laughs> well, they've lifted the the order now. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> but yeah, in all seriousness, um, it looks pretty much nailed on, doesn't it? The Ryan and Robert coming. Um, how are we all feeling about it, Kitty? Feeling warm um, inside. I, yeah. I, I genuinely think one or both of them is going to amble through town at some point wearing Halloween gear and use that as a sort of bit of a cloak to get themselves wandering around town without being bothered by anybody. So I wouldn't be That is a great idea. They could film it like they could have undercover filming. Yeah, it. It, would be, it would be brilliant for the documentary, wouldn't it? be brilliant. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I know a bit about, about the trip. Um, Oh. Yeah, it's going to be, oh, going go to be great. We can't. <laughs> You've got their itinerary for us there, Tim. Yeah, go on, tell us. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be really, really good. And I've no idea how they're going to really manage it because, you know, once once it gets out and about that they come in, then there's going to be huge interest, you know, for those lucky enough to get into the ground. But there's going to be a lot of people disappointed people sort of hanging around outside almost like the opposite of a baying mob really looking for <laughs> like a royal wave out of the window or something so it's going to be ace and you know but at the time we're recording it's not sold out is it so it will be wouldn't it Without it will that. be so if you want to come hurry up yeah, yeah. are you excited I liam i was there moment mm. yeah i think it's there'll be a decent atmosphere like some people have said it might be a bit of a Six, but I don't know. I'm, ho- I'm hoping they'll do a bit of a you know walk around pre-match. I think that would be pretty decent. I imagine they don't want to take too much attention away from the football itself, you know, because they seem pretty astute kind of guys. But I was just trying to think of what rites of passage they could do when they come to Wrexham. Maybe checkers. Going, yep, checkers. Get your feet stuck on the floor. Uh, maybe go to Christina's cafe, have a breakfast with a little potato smiley face. Uh, yeah. Because they've, they've spice, spice, do some spice. <laughs> <Back> station, <laughs> spice lounge. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else is that? It that's about it, isn't it? Really, it's very is and jockey open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're on for city of culture as well. So, you know, we've got it all. Well, going. Hang on, we're not even a bloody city. Yeah, well, that's uh, that, that that's another sore subject, isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, they've, they've got to do the run, haven't they? What's that? Starting in Nags Head, go up to Cuprum's, uh, then uh, round to the Golden Lion, uh, Thirsty Scholar, then the Royal Oak. Is it still the Royal just, Oak? Yeah. You just know at the end of all of it, when it comes to quarter to five on Saturday, Danny Wright will have nodded in a 90th minute winner for Torquay. Just a- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I don't, hey if, we, if we're talking about rights of passage, we have to mention the fat ball. Uh, Esteemed benefactor. benefactors, yeah, our, our, our sole benefactor. Uh, we're, we're very grateful. He's already got a special burger lined up for Saturday, which is, I believe, a triple lamb, chicken, and beef burger. Sorry if I got it wrong, but it's just lots of meat. So it's called the Farmyard Bastard. Well, it is now, anyway. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Let's get the beat button back out. 
Um, but we're right, we haven't That's given okay. right. Hang on, that that's that's do predictions. Come on, maidenhead. Two predictions, Liam. Andy. What's the scores on the doors out of interest? Who's who's top? Uh, looks like you are. Okay. okay. Right, Liam. Do do both, maidenhead and Torquay. Okay, so I actually feel positive now that we are going to go on a bit of a run. We're starting to play some teams who are lower down in the table. I'm going to go for 2-0 at Maidenhead, followed up by a 3-1 win against Torquay on Saturday in front of our lovely owners. Right, uh, I'll go next. I'm going to go 3-1 at Maidenhead, and I'm going to go 2-1 for Torquay. Uh, Tim? I'm going to stick my trusty 3-0 again. So I'll go with 3-0 at Maidenhead, and I'll go... Oh, it's going to be nervy. The pressure's going to be on. Go for a 1-0 versus Torquay. Okay, we'll have that. And finally... Oh, you, guys have, you guys have uh, cheered up since last week, and you? Bloody hell, it's incredible what an away win can do, isn't it? Uh, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get criticised for being too positive now. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to both games, so there's no way we're going to win both of them. Sorry, just fact. Um, I'm going to go for a... Nervy 2-1 win in Maidenhead and I think one all draw against Torquay similar to the Notts County game but I hope I'm wrong but really looking forward to both games genuinely excited to go up to Maidenhead on Tuesday as always you can get in touch on the email that I mentioned earlier and also the Twitter account uh, thanks very much for listening goodbye bye bye see you